Kia ora and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. My name's Pip Adam and um, thank you for listening. Um, in this episode I speak with Mariah McMillan. Um, Mariah is a poet, magnificent poet, and um, she has a new book out called The Ski Flyer, which is published by Victoria University Press and is just magnificent. I highly recommend it. And um, we speak on the eve of um, a tour um, that Mariah is embarking on with um, poet Irene Beautre. Irene has a new book out as well. Um, her book um, is called Flow um, and is subtitled Whanganui River Poems. And that launches, oh my goodness, that launches tomorrow night, 14th of July, um, 5.30 at Whanganui Regional Museum. So get along to that. Um, Mariah and Irene from there go to Napier, Thames, there's two gigs I think in Auckland, then they're back in Wellington, they're in Palmerston North and then at Paraparaumu um, Beach. So um, I'll put a link on our WordPress site which is betterrednz.wordpress.com and you can get a link to where all these um, tours are happening and where you might get to see Mariah and Irene read from their magnificent new books. Um, the format of this podcast is that Mariah and I talk about two poems. The first is um, Fantasia for Elvira Shatayev by Adrian Rich, um, a poem that Mariah chose for us to talk about and which I really enjoyed talking about. And then we talk about a poem written by Mariah, um, one that's in the ski flyer, which is called In Which I Attain Unimaginable Greatness which I chose. I wanted to talk about that. It's one of my favourite poems of the year. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoy the podcast and maybe you can get along to some of these amazing events that the Poets on Tour um, fantasticness is happening. So thank you very much. Fantasia for Elvira Shatiev. The cold felt cold until our blood grew colder than the wind, died down and we slept. If in this sleep I speak, it's with a voice no longer personal. I want to say with voices. When the wind tore our breath from us at last, we had no need of words. For months, for years, each one of us had felt her own yes growing in her, slowly forming as she stood at windows, waited for trains, mended her rucksack, combed her hair. What we were to learn was simply what we had up here as out of all words that yes gathered its forces, fused itself, and only just in time to meet a no of no degrees, the black hole sucking the world in. I feel you climbing toward me, your cleated boot soles leaving their geometric bite colossally embossed on microscopic crystals. As when I trailed you in the Caucasus, now I am further ahead than either of us dreamed anyone would be. I have become the white snow packed like asphalt by the wind. The woman I love lightly flung against the mountain, that blue sky, our frozen eyes unribboned through the storm. We could have stitched that blueness together like a quilt. You come, I know this, with your love, your loss, strapped to your body with your tape recorder camera ice pick against advisement to give us burial in the snow and in your mind. While my body lies out here, flashing like a prism into your eyes, how could you sleep? You climbed here for yourself, we climbed for ourselves. 
When you have buried us, told your story, ours does not end and we stream into the unfinished, the unbegun, the possible. Every cell's core of heat pulsed out of us into the thin air of the universe, the armature of rock beneath these snows. This mountain which has taken the imprint of our minds through changes elemental and minute as those we underwent to bring each other here. Choosing ourselves, each other and this life whose every breath and grasp and further foothold is somewhere still enacted and continuing. In the diary I wrote, now we are ready and each of us knows it. I have never loved like this. I have never seen my own forces so taken up and shared and given back. After the long training, the early sieges, we are moving almost effortlessly in our love. In the diary, as the wind began to tear at the tents over us, I wrote, We know now we have always been in danger, down in our separateness, and now up here together, but till now, we had not touched our strength. In the diary, torn from my fingers, I had written, What does love mean? What does it mean to survive? A cable of blue fire ropes our bodies, burning together in the snow. We will not live to settle for less. We have dreamed of this all of our lives. Okay, here we are. Hello, Mariah. Hello, Pip. How are you? I'm good. Oh, that's good. You've got a dog on your lap. I've got a dog on my lap and it's raining and hailing outside. It is. It's going to be uh, cosy, cosy. And we've got women downstairs running around. And yes, there could be background noise as well. But I think that is a homely, nice noise. I think that's a very good noise. Dog may bark, dog may scratch, but let's see how we go. Right, you have, we're going to talk about two poems today. We're going to talk about a poem by Adrian Rich, and then we're going to talk about a poem by you, um, borrowing mercilessly from the New Yorker poetry podcast format. Um, can you talk to me about Fantasia for Alvira Shatayev? By Adrian Rich. Yes, Adrian Rich. Tell me, talk to me about Adrian Rich. So, when I first read Adrian Rich, she kind of blew my mind because she's so she's so conversational, um, and her and her lines are quite <coughs> long, often, and she, and and it felt very different to other things that I was reading at the time, um. And I, I have a kind of complicated, I have, it's complicated with Adrian Rich because I have, you know, I was kind of totally obsessed for a really long time and read everything of hers that I could get on, I could get hold of. And my friend Sheila bought me this wonderful, I think it's called Through the Doorframe um, compilation of all her work or of lots of her work. And, and so Adrian Rich, at that time when I guess I was getting really into feminism and and those ideas were exploding in me. It felt like Adrienne Rich was answering that. And she did two things. One is that she seemed to be able to be incredibly um, passionate about injustice, but that at, at the same time, very celebrational. So there's nothing in her stuff which is, it's downcast or hopeless or helpless I mean sometimes the things are very hopeless and helpless but there's always this kind of surge of energy that comes with it and the dog's walking on the poems dog likes the poem so it's making good noises 
Because you can tell that even from this poem, eh? Like, this is a poem about some people that died in the mountains. Yeah. And yet, um, you know, it's sort of told from this posthumous position. Yes. And is that the right word? Yes. Oh, yes. And this, there's so much kind of joy and freedom in it, which is was surprising for me. Because when I read the, you know, like it's got the subtitle that um, talks about how everybody died. But yeah, I think that that kind of, um, what's the word called? That kind of, um, I want to say struggle or complexity is kind of in this poem as well, isn't it? Yeah, because it's kind of when it talks about um, I see you coming, then it's talking about the the leader of the party um, talking to her husband who came and and found them, or or came to to basically bury them. Yeah. And so once you've read Adrian Rich, because she just did seem to she seemed to be documenting what was going on, and she seemed to be documenting that same thing that I felt like with my friends that that I felt totally excited about politics and totally overwhelmed and um, hopeless about it. But at the same time, it was we were young and happy in lots of ways as well. And those things somehow seemed to fire together to make something else, which Adrian Rich seemed to be able to document. And so I think she was quite, yeah, so, so that felt really important. But sometimes now, and sometimes since, I, I haven't actually been able to read, you know, I went through about 15 years where I couldn't actually pick up an Adrian Rich mm. poem without feeling nauseated. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how much of that is, is something about that kind of very urgent feelings that I had then, that, re, re, that coming to them again was too overwhelming, or whether or not there is actually something slightly cloying in some of her work, which I find slightly irritating. And I think there's some of that in this poem. Yeah. But it wasn't, and when, when we talked about what poem I might like to read as another person's poem for this, then I thought about this poem, and now I've read it, I've realised it's actually much more of an influence on my whole book mm. my, than I thought it was, <clears throat> because it ca- captures something about politics and mountains, which I didn't realise how much I owed here. Because what, can you tease that out a little bit more, this idea of mountains and politics? Well, this is, I mean, this has just got such, it's about this group of mountain climbers. And it might, you know, and I imagine it is, I mean, it says um, Fantasia, and I imagine that it might be not very much what they were thinking, but it doesn't really matter. Never let reality (laughs) get in the way of a good story. But, um... (laughs) But she's not just talking about mountains, is she? She's just not. She's not just talking about being a group of women climbing. She's also talking about um, the desperation of women to um, to have community and to uh, to aspire to great, marvelous things. And there's almost, you know, when I was reading it just now, there's almost that sense that. Um, actually, going into the mountains with a group of my mates was and dying. It was like, well, you know, it's actually kind of okay, you know. And 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 this might be where it kind of creeps into some cloying romanticism, but I don't know. I might be wrong. I might I might still be persuaded that it's that it's all un. I mean, I think there's genius in there, but and, and maybe it's all genius, but. 
part of me thinks, ah, it's kind of cloying and, rom- and, and romantic, but maybe she just needed to do that. But, you know, it's also about, like, you know, that's okay because what else is this world offering me, mm-hmm. a- offering us as a group of women? And, you know, doing a little bit of, of reading um, about it, I think for 15 years after this group of women died, um, women were banned from tramping parties, from cl- mountain climbing parties in Russia. And there'd been other deaths, there'd been other climbing parties who had died, but because this was you know, because this was a group of women and because the women had specifically gone out there to prove their point that women were as strong as men, then I think that that was taken as a huge, you know, it was like, of course the reason they died was gender. Mm. Yeah. Because um, that capital R romanticism that you're talking about, like those those blokes really did own the great outdoors for a very long time didn't they like you know what i mean like i mean i mean i guess you've got the amazing wanderers that incredible book that ingrid um horrocks has just written about you know like your incredible women that were wandering around and you know being outdoors but do you think i don't know is that a thought that's interesting i don't know like i think it's probably i think it's probably interesting yeah I hadn't thought, I mean, I suppose I thought about that in the sense that the ownership of so many aspects of life has been um, assumed by malehood. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. So when did you first, how did you stumble across Adrian Rich in the beginning? I don't know, I just, it was like we literally handed it, I kind of have this vision and I think that this might be a romanticism with a capital R or a small one. <laughs> I have this vision of us handing her poems around outside campfires at protest camps. Yeah. But it might have been made up. That might just be the... the um, I might have had that idea a while ago and then kind of decided it was fact when it might have been fiction. But it was literally that it felt like, oh, here's someone writing about stuff that we can understand. Yeah. It just must have been amazing. Yeah. It must have been incredible. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, so, yeah, that mountain... Yeah, but do you get what I mean in terms of the mountain yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. That that somehow there's the image of people climbing mountains, and um, is and it, it's something to do with a whole lot of things, which I think I was trying to work with in um, the ski flyer, which is this notion that mountains are really dangerous, really beautiful, that it's really exciting being on them, and completely terrifying, and possibly we shouldn't be going into them. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. You see, I, I have this weird thing because I lived so much of my life in urban, you know, like, <clears throat> I <clears throat> I mean, I think the closest thing I got to a mountain as a kid was climbing up Rangitoto. Like, uh, yep. like we, and, you know, that was kind of under the mountain. That was exciting because that was all sort of around that Morris G stuff. But, like, this is what I love about reading your work because I... I get to live, I get to see these things that I've never, they've never kind of settled inside of me through experience. And yet when I read your work and when I read a poem like this, I think, ah, this is what, you know, this is what a mountain is about, you know. Mm. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Have you always been on mountains? I think, I think we probably went to mountains pretty, I, I, I probably went to mountains pretty early. And my parents took me to mountains, and um, my my grandparents lived in Queenstown, and so 
we did one week of skiing a year and that was pretty cool and I always I feel quite different in mountains I thought that the book was going to be about mountains but it ended up not it ended up being about mountains and I think it's about mountains and politics isn't it and do you think I don't know it's, it was I, yeah it was only kind of when I finished it that I thought ah oh, this is um quite virtually political thank god yeah. <laughs> my usual my usual acts of suppressing my natural yeah my natural don't be doing inclination that. Don't to be doing that. politics had had failed <laughs> can i talk to you about something um which is a craft i don't know if it's a craft thing in um, here in yeah in, fantasia in fantasia yeah um i've just finished reading han king's book which is called um human acts and there is a section in there it's a fragmented kind of novel but there's a section in there which is written from a dead person's point of view ah. and like i've also been recently talking to someone else about an amazing book about suicide that is from ah. a dead person's ah. point of view and i'm just wondering why would we do that? Like I, when I read that, but I was so resistant to it. I, ah. I have this real resistance. Yet it definitely does something magnificent. And George Saunders' book, eh? And yeah. Have you read that Lincoln and the Bardo, which is yet, no. which is, and that's really fragmented and a whole lot of conversations between ghosts. Mm. Yeah, I just started reading it, um, but I went to his talk in Auckland. Um, why would we talk from the perspective of the dead? Well, I guess I can't argue with us, so we can make them say anything we want. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. And it's, you know, it might be that Elvira might have gone, ah, what are you doing? I'm not one of those weird feminists. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't like any of those women. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they were bloody pains in the, they were annoying, but instead, instead age. Adrian which can say I've never loved like this and it's it's kind of beautiful and it is that weird thing as well like I was thinking I guess there's a version of this poem which is them triumphantly you know what I mean like without oh. the end being you know tragic you know like there's a there's the setting out maybe that could have been done or something like that because and there was that idea um that for ages a eh, within within film that that woman that that any strong woman would almost invariably end up dead. Yeah. Um, and so that it was like, you know, it's like you get to the end of the movie and it's like, yeah, yeah, you're allowed to be strong in this movie as long as by the end you've died. Yeah, you have to die by the end. You, you have, have to, to die, die by the end. end. So, um, yeah. And it is, I don't know, like there's something interesting in here where there is a, um, I really love the way, and I'm probably, I might be misreading it, but I love the way that um, the speaker of the poem talks about the singular voice sort of disappearing and becoming like, oh, a, yeah. you know, like I want to say voices, you know. Yeah. Like, and that was something that in um, Han Kang's book as well, the the, the single soul or single yeah. whatever's left when we die quickly becomes, ah. you know, and I wonder, and I think also with the Saunders book, you know, maybe it is an opportunity for us to break free of the boundaries of our body and maybe talk more socially or community. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. That, yeah, it sounds like a uh, stage one essay I could write. That does sound like a stage one essay that I could write. Yeah, I don't know. It's quite wild. I kind of had this game with myself at stage one. Not I don't. I did some English papers, but I also did politics. I thought I was going to be an English English graduate, but I ended up doing politics. And I and I wrote and I think I did psychology as well. And I had this game where I wrote ref, reflects and reinforces in every single essay. 
Those are good words. <laughs> it's like, because it applied to everything. It does. <laughs> everything really? reflects and reinforces. Oh my gosh. Everything else. And that is, that is <laughs> Media, of... sexism, I can't remember what else. But, Maybe it was only media and sexism. But it's that thing, eh, like where, um, like the words, you need those words. And the, the rhetoric of the university essay, you, you need those words. Reflex and reinforce. You need reflex and reinforce. Reflex, yeah. reinforce, reflex. Pip and, and I give those words to anybody <coughs> listening this. You can, this. every stage one essay yeah. now from now on will be coming in in that way, in that way. Um, but yes, no, you were asking, but yes, the dead thing and the, the, the dead thing and then, and that thing. And that kind of, and that's kind of, I think that that might be getting to the heart of what's kind of cloying about Adrian Rich for me now is this, um, is this kind of romanticism about women's shared experience, which I think is actually, you know, I think it's totally necessary, and I love love it at the same moment as hating. Oh, it's not hating it, but but um, shrinking away from it. Um, it's like the. I mean, I guess it's like that really, really earnest, terrible protest. All those ter- terrible earnest women's protest songs of the 80s which are both overwhelmingly beautiful and awful yeah <laughs> and that, bad music because there is something interesting about this is that um there does seem to be you know like the leader of the party speaking you know and and that was something i couldn't help thinking as i was reading it that there are you know what how many other women sort of also thinking damn it i died damn it and I guess, I mean, yeah, I do wonder if there is something in that idea of the body. You know, like once we're dead, yeah, we the rules are off, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the rules are off, you know, and is that the right word? Anyway, yeah, I just think I just think it's really interesting. Can and you, that makes, yeah, that makes me think of all those things where, you know, the, the notion of time being forward, yeah. that, that sort of European history, you know, that that's only one way of it. And then, you know, if there's those... If there's various cultures in which the f- the past is in front of us, then we we dead first. Yeah, I love that idea. I saw you were going to say something. I can't. Oh, it was another technical thing. Um, can you explain how this is totally because it, this is me being a prose writer? Dits. Why break the line at now? I am further rather than carrying do you know what I mean like if we'll put this up so that we'll put a link to it yeah. so people can see can you I'm virtually saying why why line breaks like you know why? I know and I I even because I even read them but I think that my version of it I'm just going to I thought maybe they'd even got the line breaks wrong because I had that same reaction but I think that this is the official line break so which one were you looking at well I mean you were talking about how they're very long lines and they some are, of them yeah, yeah some of them you know like they're not short thoughts they carry on for lines and lines and lines and yet you know like um, there's one here where it says I have become line break the white snow packed like asphalt by the wind the woman I love lightly flung against the mountain line break that blue sky. It's a list. I've become, ah. you know, I imagine there was a colon there and then yep. there's three things. In fact, it's five things. Oh the three God. you said. So so she's going, I've become, and then, then it's there's a nice repetition. So one of the things with Adrienne Rich is that she <coughs> was, she she grew up in the era of formalism in which it was still very much metered verse and stuff and she was considered to be very, very good at it in a time in which women weren't often considered to be good. Mm. Um, so she was considered to be a master of good poetry, and then she rejected 
she rejected formalism and she rejected metered voice and became um, someone who wrote with without um, well yeah without without traditional meter and um, throw off the shackles of both patriarchy and formalism in poetry um, so so you know so to hear the liberation from patriarchy from racism from you know and she was someone who was very vocal about the um, about both racism and sexism, mm. uh, she that that went hand in hand with her rejection of this formalism in which she was one of the few acknowledged masters, as it was, few acknowledged female masters. Um, yeah, and so you know, I had a teacher once who talked about Adrian Rich and said that you can notice, you know, that formalism and that training is still very much present and is why some of her verse sounds so absolutely beautiful and seems to be able to, although the language and the, is that do you, do you, is diction the right word? The diction of it is very relaxed. It's also elevated. Mm, and so mm, it never mm. feels like you're, um, it never feels like you're in, you know, it doesn't feel mundane ever, even mm, if it's mm. in quite conversational language. You know, there's other poems where she says, you know, you're reading this while you're in a bookshop or while you're writing, while you're rocking a baby or while you're, you know, and she'll just kind of go into this very sort of, you know, almost prosaic, but somehow it's still incredibly elevated um, language. Because that was the thing that I was finding so interesting is, it, is that once the meter goes... I was sort of thinking what's left and I think it is, it's that stuff you're talking about. I guess it's that thing that when you get discordant music or you get, you know, mm. music that's just percussion or you get music that's, and I was just thinking there's something real, um, um, lizard brain kind of happening. You know what I mean? Like you, you're, you have an expectation set up somehow and it's almost the, you know mm. the not meeting of that expectation that gives the music to it. It's it's such a magnificent poem, and like I, I think I said that to you after you read it. Like it 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 made even more sense when I heard you read it. Mm. Like I just yeah, it's it's quite magnificent. And what I was going to say about that teacher was that he talked about how she reverts to. So because of this formal training, he said when she, in times of stress, she reverts to um, you know iambic awesome meter um and you can see that so there'll be these moments so it will it will kind of come in and out of in and out of quite traditional sort of musicality yeah that is such an amazing thought yeah i'm in love with that thought i I was in love with that i'm still in love with that thought i've been in love with that thought for some time but you can share it can i share the love you can share the love for the thought of her returning you know it's like a you know, like people breathing, you know, that kind of meditative thing that you go back to, you, you always return to your breath. She always returns to the breath that she was trained in as a poet. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Does she often write about um, real real people? Like this is a oh, poem I think about she real does. people. I think she does. Um, but, you know, I think there's a few poems like this which probably focus on particular kind of real historic figures Mm. But then, you know, a lot of what she was doing was also writing about herself and mm. and kind of being I, I, my mountain brain, my mountain lizard brain and saying is being on the precipice of kind of putting that feeling of her just living her life being on this precipice against all these kind of forces of, you know, patriarchal and patriarchy and homophobia and... Um, 
racism and that there she was living her life feeling this kind of you know these winds from all all these different directions so that's a lot of what I think I've I responded to mm. Mm. in her writing um yeah and um also the other thing that I was thinking I, I found really interesting was the point that the um uh that her it's her husband that comes to get her right eh? yeah the point that she hears him oh, where is it oh I feel you climbing toward oh, yeah. me your cleated boot sole oh gosh what a magnificent line I know <laughs> it's just so fucking it just blows your mind yeah and um I thought it was interesting like in a poem that I guess I'm thinking of as being like you know empowering and woman alone kind of stuff there's something beautiful about the fact that it brings yes. in a partner right like and a male partner yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's right like like she's not she's not trying to you know and that's the thing it's like you know sometimes they go too much but other times she's totally real with it as well it's mm. like she she isn't trying to undermine the relationship between the husband and the wife or anything like that because um. it's a beautiful like I mean that was the thing that I just found the thought that and I guess this this must happen quite a lot, you know, to you know, for people to conclude their grieving and all that sort of thing. But to travel and then you know bury the bodies, you know, and and then and it would have been very easy in this kind of um, mode to sort of say, I don't really care about my body anymore, you know, like blah blah blah. But you know, there's some beautiful respect of the loving act as well. I don't know, like it's mm. just it's bloody, it's really, gosh, it's really good. She is. She's very good. That's yeah. a silly thing to say. Like yeah. she's, you know, she's one of the best poets of our lifetime. Yeah. But you know, she's, really she's got good. some potential. She's got some potential there. Like who was that musician that someone just discovered? Like Annie Lennox? Did someone? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> did some DJ write to you recently and say you've got potential? Yeah, send us something. <laughs> we could make you someone. Us. We could make you someone. Adrian Rich, we think that you've got some potential. You've got there. some potential there, Adrian Rich. Is this a poem that was written later in her career or earlier in her career? I don't See, know. I've, yeah, I've got no. I'm so bad. Like I have read. I reckon it was written years. after 1974. Yes, I think after 1974. <laughs> that I think there's nothing surer than it was written after 1974, unless and before Adrian Rich unless died. Adrian Rich is the new Doctor Who. Ah, oh, yeah. Travelled forward in time. That could be it. That, because sh- the, the, we're we're making these really funny, hilarious jokes because that was when the that was when the. The, yes, um, the accident happened. The accident happened. It's not fun to joke about these things. <laughs> In which I attain unimaginable greatness. Today the world chucked itself open, gleeful jaws swinging under the broody sun. There it was, a small blue ball, clouds like feathers, lands like sleeping dragons, cities like glorious cities. The aurora washing and flickering like someone trying to find the radio station on a dodgy car radio, driving through the snowy desert road beside the great march of the transmitters. Thinking they're more like refugees than aliens after all, thinking some things are so large we forget they are sad. I was in and out of the world streaming above it, a satellite, a winged thing, possibly a leotard, possibly big hair, and also I was in my living room on the brown couch I thought of as temporary even when I bought it, my hair freshly cut short which made me feel glamorous and swift for approximately one and a half days until I felt plain and dour and 14 with braces and glasses and guys actually pointing and laughing and saying spunky. 
I sat on the couch looking at brown birds with white chests who were treating the respite from rain as a new spring, and I hovered. I think perhaps no hair and disappointing breasts and those unearthly winds, and in both places and in all ways I contemplated my greatness. This thing bestowed unexpectedly upon me no, no, a thing I had claimed that I had wrested from the grey forces and which was suddenly mine and I wondered where to begin. So I sharpen all the pencils in the house and sort them by hue and lay them in a perfect arc. I find lids for all the felt tip pens and figure out an innovative way to stack the dishwasher. These victories are mine and mine alone. I solve the Auckland housing crisis. The city's skies are filled with helicopters lifting families to safety. There are no forms to fill out, only dry homes and warm food. Of course, says the city, of course you are ours, and begins at last to earn its shimmering lights. I, yes, it is me, command the glaciers to creep back down the mountainsides. Ancient ice drifts back towards the poles. Tides retreat, stocks of translucent fish burgeon and blossom, and Wellington Harbour once more yields to the shrill sounds of whales. Letters of complaint are sent to the paper. We are so easily overwhelmed. We are so full of doubt. I remember. Lily arrives home and finds me astonishing, as I am, taller, kinder, and confesses to me everything that has ever bothered her, the plagues of pecking birds. I wash her face and smooth her hair, and she is never unreasonably angry again. I clean the fucking fridge and find every one of the stolen girls of Nigeria and return them to their lives. They become farmers, they study medicine, they argue with their friends. The village is full of walking, the drone of bees, the baobab trees. Here is a perfect cup of tea. Here is electric blue lycra. I absolve all mothers of their worries curled in them like worms. I am not enough. I am too much. They throw the bathroom scales out the windows and the small lines lift off and become quavers and crotchets. The gardens fill with music, and they let their daughters eat when they are hungry, eat with animal joy. I go to every high school and find the marooned girls whispering to themselves, I don't care, I don't care, and reel them into the surface of their lives and let them look around and see themselves among the world's wonders. The shit rolls back up the banks of the river, across square paddocks to the square cows, their slipping jaws, their lowing, their slow eyes full of gods, and get sucked back into the beasts. The rivers run clean again, the eels' abnormalities disappear. They are true, I swim in great clarity, I implement the living wage, this is how I begin, this is my first day. Shall we move to the sky flyer? I just said Skyflyer. Do you like the way I did that? I did. Um, this book's actually called The Ski Flyer. And yeah. I have been terrified that I'm going to mispronounce it ever since I saw it. I don't know why. Can you talk a little bit about the name? Yes. Because it's interesting. Good. Is it interesting? I think it's interesting. Personally. Okay, so there's a really good Werner Herzog movie. Oh, we like him. Called, it's a 1974 movie called The Great Ecstasy of Woodcarver Steiner. <gasps> and the opening... And, and Woodcarver Steiner is also a ski flyer, and that is someone who 
does really really big ski jumps and there's the the opening sequence of the movie has um has wonderful music and it has the ski flyer it has steiner going down the yeah so he's getting ready and then he goes down the jump and he lifts off into the air and um Herzog slows it all down and so he's just there with his arms and his legs outstretched people listening and won't be able to see the movements I'm making with my arms and my legs but that kind of and and it's phenomenal and and it seems very significant so the ski flyer is named after that Herzog movie and to I know um I'll put a picture up can you talk a little bit about the cover as well Oh, sure. It's a magnificent cover, and I must, it looks beautiful with your other book as well. Oh, yeah. So, was that intentional? Well, I really liked the work that the wonderful um, artist did, which is um, the the cover designer, Kelly O'Shaughnessy. And I really liked the work that she did on um, Tree Space. And so, I asked for her to do this cover, and she very kindly said yes. And I and Fergus Wheeler at VUP and I both had the idea that we should have a 1950s or 1940s style tourism, yeah, New Zealand tourism poster type look and feel because it just felt right. And I really like that aesthetic anyway. And so we we sent Keely off, <laughs> and she did it. And um, yeah, she had lots of different ideas, but this is the one that we all we all as a collective came to happily. It's and really beautiful. I love it. I love it, and I love the way that um, that the mountains, but part of the mountains, lit up. Yeah. Um, in a in a very particular way, and then the and then there's kind of some dark foreboding uh, ridges as well. The thing that I always find with it when I first saw it was it gives me that sharp inhale of um, alpine air. You know, oh, totally. For some reason, like the first time I saw it, I just got that, you know, that real cold. Yeah. Oh, I just, it's one of my favourite things. See, I've been to the mountains. Yeah, I you totally I, have. I, I have I like, I, I feel haven't. physically different in the mountains, and it sounds like you do too. Like, I actually, and when it's snowing, then it's like, oh. I feel, I, I, there's just something in me where I, where I feel really different in the mountains. And when I was in the States, and I, I, um, a woman called Shannon and I drove through, drove drove from Mississippi. She'd never left the South, wow. and we drove from Mississippi up to um, Seattle. And we drove part of the way. We were going through mountains, and she just looked at me and she, she was like, "You're all, you know, you're all lit up, you know." And she could see because it was like I was just suddenly when I hit the mountains. And over there, the mountains are really different here. Here, you can kind of drive them through them in an hour. Mm. You're in and out. Whereas there, you're driving through mountains for days. And um, yeah, and she could sense that there's just you know I just feel differently Cause when I'm close to mountains. I was just thinking that's the other thing. Like this is I got you to read um, in which you attain unimaginable greatness, which is one of my favourite poems from this book. I, I think everyone's my favourite poem. It was funny because I was reading that this morning and then I was like, oh, and I like this one. I like this. <laughs> just like it all. But I was thinking, um, I was trying to work out what it is I love so much about this, and I think that you kind of explained it when you talked about the Adrian Rich poems. Is that there is this, you know, you and you said it in an interview about and I'll probably misquote you, and you're right here, so you can have a go at me, but there, <laughs> there was a line about why don't we just go up to the mountains and let the cold take us, you know, like, ah. in, this, in this awful, 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 like, 
the dreadful things that are going on right now, what is the point, kind mm. of, you know? And what I love about this poem um, is that it... I think what I love about it is that what it does is often the thing that gives me little hope is I can't see a way to get to the thing that I think would be great. But what I love about this is that it just usurps, it doesn't worry about that. Yeah. And it just gets to the great things that we will do, you know, in this greatness. And I just felt like it, it just fills me with such hope. But at the same time, I think this is the whole structure of this book. Structure, that's not the right word. But the whole sort of way this book works is that you know, there's it's held in such fine balance that idea of despair and hope, and I don't know how you do it, but I do. I just absolutely love this poem so much. Like, I don't know. Like, it makes me cry as well. You know, it's that weird. Th- but it's that weird thing, isn't it? Like, where it's kind of like it rises me up, like you feel in the mountains. Mm. But at the same time, I'm struck. The awe of it isn't lost on me. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I know that, I don't know, like, it's so magnificent. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to write it? Is yeah. that a weird question? I never know if that's a weird question to ask someone, but, yeah. No, I mean, I think that I think that you and I have actually talked about, in the past, we've talked about various... Um, it might have been around the time we were talking about various the various sort of superhero movies which were around, and, um, you know, there's Jessica Jones and, and you know... And, and and I think that part of my response to Jessica Jones, which is not a movie, it's a TV series, but, you know, is, is that there is just something quite phenomenal, regardless of any of the other stuff, to see a woman who is more powerful than anybody else, and more stronger, physically stronger than anybody else in the world. Like, that was kind of, I quite like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that you'd said something to me at some point which was about... Um, which was about um, there's some superheroes downstairs. There are some superheroes downstairs. Thump 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 thump. Falling. They just flew off. They just flew off. <laughs> they're off to save a city. Yeah, they're <laughs> off to save a city. And you said, imagine what it would be like to live as if we weren't afraid. And it's like I'm not someone who feels I'm not someone who feels afraid a lot. Like I haven't had anything particularly traumatic happen to me in my life. But I do think that there's a res- residual amount of fear that we live with both sort of just psychological am I a good person <laughs> you know um, and as well as various sorts of you know you know just trying to deal with various sorts of threats whether that they're emotional or physical or being a woman on a dark night or being a woman who still engages with men or you know yeah, yeah. and and um it, but that phrase, just imagine living without being afraid. And I was like, oh, let's, I wonder what that would be like. And so then it was just, you know, and there's also also the, the the other thing that I keep coming to, and I think that I might have seen them at the same time as you said that, I think I just watched The Punk Singer. Oh, yeah, have yeah, you, yeah. About yeah, Kathleen yeah. Hanna yeah, from yeah. Um, Thingy. Yeah. From Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting old. Yeah, we're getting old. In which she said, imagine if we wrote, imagine if we wrote an album as if all that shit hadn't happened. And I think she had had lots of traumatic stuff happen to her. And she'd gone through huge amounts of stuff. And it was like, what would it be like if we wrote an album as if all the awful political stuff that we're dealing with hadn't happened? And so even though, as I say this, I realise that this doesn't ignore all the awful political stuff and it kind of does engage with some of that it was that amazing thing. It was like, right, imagine if we could just do anything. Yeah. Imagine if we had 
a really, really good lycra outfit. Yeah. And superpowers. <laughs> and it's just like, that'd be really cool. We could just go to all those bullied teenage girls who are bullied horribly by other girls and just make them okay into all those mothers, into, yeah, all those families. I just love the way this, I just love anything that, um, like, swaps focus, like the idea of um, just, there's a beautiful stanza in here about a child arriving home and finding me astonishing as I am, (laughs) Paula, kind of, and I just think, yeah, that also, you know, cleaning the fucking fridge does sit under the line about stolen Nigerian girls, you know, returning the stolen Nigerian girls, and, like, I just, I just really, I love that um, all-encompassing I mean, God, am I about to say the person was political? I don't know, but, you know, like, I just... You um, should write that down. Oh, someone should. <laughs> someone should write that down. This is a great thing about forgetting things. Um, like, um, but I do love the way it just sits in that, you know, like, I just I just love it. I remember that conversation. Do I remember about that conversation? Is I think you're the first person I ever admitted to about how whenever I'm in a room with men that are physically bigger than me, I'm always thinking this person could hurt me and I was just thinking about and then yeah and I think you'd written that amazing piece you'd written an amazing short story actually you sly poet that was a great short story and there's prose poems in here as well well I remember what's what's going on there Mariah the prose poems (laughs) the prose poems is when I tried do you remember I sent you a series of emails where I was writing trying to write a story about being about demo parties. I love that short story. Well, it's, not a, it's, it's, not, it's not a short story. <laughs> well, now it becomes like, a great um, poem, which is called The Demo Party, isn't there's it? A few, there's a few. So so sometimes some of these are... Uh, there's a great one about... Um, it's Yeah, see, there's the short story. Demo Party, but there's also the Acts of God oh, from yeah, there. And that. so the, there's a few of them. So the prose poems are basically that short story. Yeah, but, well, I'm glad to see that. But I kind of versified it a bit I like the way you did that I like the way you did that yeah can you talk a little bit about the structure of um in which I attain unimaginable greatness um okay I think that you have caught on to something which is this idea that of because you've talked about hopelessness and uh something else that thing of hope hope <laughs> hope those words go together well don't they hope, hopelessness and hope or and that thing, that, oh, it's empowerment and disempowerment as yeah, well. Yeah. That I feel like, because, you know, there are these poems, it's just kind of, I think, around becoming, turning into a woman, mm. <laughs> like being in young womanhood and that incredible sense of empowerment, of realising that when you're flatting, you can do anything you want. Mm. Yeah. And that was really quite exciting. But at the same moment as coming into adulthood, at that very same moment being aware of the incredible threats that there are against being a woman and suddenly meeting all these women who, you know, so I, I, you know, I developed heaps and heaps of close friendships with women and all of them had been abused or had eating disorders or, um, yeah, and who, who were constantly on diets or were sticking their finger down their throats or, you know, and I'd had quite a sheltered, quite a healthy safe kind of growing up experience and so even for someone like me the shock of realizing how misogynist society was and how unsafe it was for women um and um yeah and so and so there's something in there about feeling both empowered and disempowered Mm, at mm. almost at the same moment 
And then there's also the thing of, and I think that you, in this poem, in this poem, I was dealing with that thing of, that it all came down to the fridge being really disgustingly messy. <laughs> and really needing a clean and how, um, how the young woman that I was, that there was a, a wonderful sort of indomitable sense of self-belief and sense that my friends and I were actually going to be able to transform this world. Mm. And when it came down to it, it was it was like the house was really messy. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. my kids always left the lids off the felt-tip pens. And uh, that super impo- that seemed to me to be me dealing with those things which often felt quite overwhelming but really aren't. <laughs> no, they're overwhelming. No, they're overwhelming. They are overwhelming. That seemed to be kind of on, you know, that seemed to be in my mind as much as the issues of a a government which somehow, well, obviously this hadn't happened, but somehow thinks that giving, as we've talked about, giving $5 million to the America's Cup team is... A sensible thing to do in an environment in which we have mass homelessness, and mm. which and in which we have. And it's a really interesting. This is why I think I think this book speaks to me so much. Is that um, about seven years ago? I can't even remember what issue it was, but the law was changing, and it was something around you know, um, you know, people's, you know. Um, it was around benefits or something and I just remember I might have even been to you but I remember saying I thought we already fought this you know what I mean like I thought we already marched I thought you know like I remember back in the it must have been the late 1980s where um you know there was unemployed workers union and you know like we were desperately trying to get people the things that they were entitled to and you know like all that stuff and then this there was this weird retrenchment of rights around um, beneficiary rights and I just remember saying or it might have even been Giovanni I can't remember who it was but I said you know I thought we'd already won this and this dreadful thing that when you live for any amount of time and if you stay politically engaged because I think that's the other option is to become to stop reading the newspaper and stop, you know, and you say... You just worry yeah. about the fridge. Yeah, you just worry about the fridge. And you make fridge. it really clean. And you go, God, is that clean? Yeah. Um, but I you just... You dust a lot. I think this is the thing, you know, like, is that if I stay politically engaged, I, I, I just keep realising that we don't win anything for it permanently. I know, and it's like if you go onto some of the online feminist stuff and it's like, I love it and I'm really, really glad that those discussions are happening, but it's just like... <sighs> I can't believe you're actually saying in 2017 that um, that you're sick of the husband thinking he's helping you when he tidies the house instead of him thinking that it's part of looking after the house. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh my, it's like, I find it so despairing. I'm just, that's, yeah. I find it really despairing as well, like having a child, like, because it's kind of like, you know, like, I never thought I wanted children. I didn't, you know, like, it, it was a tad surprising to have a child. But, you know, like... Um, She's a good one. <laughs> they're all right. Um, and, all right. Uh, and, um, but it was that weird thing where I thought that what I was going to be able to give them was a better world. Do you know what I mean? Like, which seems so fucking... Talk about clawing. But, you know, like, I just thought things... I just thought things would be fucking different and I think that's what is the power of this book that you've written is that that sort of is held in there as well you know there's this I 
I don't know, maybe I'm projecting onto it. I'm probably psychologically projecting because of my despair. No, I don't think you are. You know, and that's what I think, that's why this poem, I just keep coming back and back to it because I just think, fuck it, you know, like, we need a superhero, you know, like, and, and just... Yeah, it just yeah, it's mm. a strange. It's a strange time to be living, and it's a strange time to be writing. Like, that's the other thing. Like, I went and saw a talk um, with um, Ridian. I can't remember his last name. Oh God. Anyway, I went and saw a talk a couple of days ago, and um, these two quite political writers were talking about um, what it is. You know, what is the job of the writer in the current political thing? And I've got no idea. Like, I mean, they were, their answers were great because they weren't saying, you know, we have to do that. They were kind of saying, well, we're confused. And I don't know, like, do you, you know, why did, why do we keep writing? Yeah, I know. And it's like, I think that, <clears throat> I think that that's a really good question. And I think that that's the other thing that I realized in this poem is that I gave myself the liberation to imagine, fantasize that I had superpowers, but I also liberated myself from being too coy about politics mm, and my, mm. Um, you know, because it's like that's that's what I'm about, I, you know, and I think that that's what most of my friends are about. We think about issues in terms of ethics, and we wonder about it, and we speculate, and we 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 are angry about the world, and we laugh about the world, and um, you know, we we want things to, you know, I think everyone does, or I hope everyone does. They want things to be better for most people. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that there's a real. I mean, I don't know how much of this is projection or is kind of internalizing things that don't exist, but I've, but I've definitely felt this idea that we're not allowed to speak overtly about politics, and there's something gauche about that. But I feel like I have this idea, which may be me projecting. I have this idea that it's turning round. Like oh, I, I feel, totally. I felt I like yeah. Just the last six months, seven. Oh, months, seven months. I yeah. feel maybe I don't know, maybe longer. But I just feel like I, I, and I think it's because of that thing you were talking about. Like I've allowed myself to be more and more didactic in my writing. I'm just like yeah. I, I love ranting I will rant you I know, remember like you saying that with your um with your one about the um what's the contract con- oh yeah the, the zero hour contract the one. zero yeah, hour yeah. contract one that I remember you saying that as well where you went just whatever yeah. I'm not actually going to try and you know have political undertones or overtones it's like <laughs> I'm just gonna write it you yeah. know? and I think that that's kind of a superpower as well is to kind of go how can you with whatever craft you have developed um a address those things head on without yeah. it being awful and it's like if it is pff, I don't know I, I, <laughs> and I think that that's kind of what I miss about being being younger and more didactic including in my writing um, you know it's like I think some of that poetry was probably awful from a poetry perspective but I kind of miss the passion involved and I miss yeah I totally agree I totally agree like I just I just feel it was that weird coming to with that story where I'd been exactly like what you're saying I'd been hinting at it and you know like trying to be all cool about it yeah and, you know like oh there's a subtext here. <laughs> you know and then I just finally thought nothing's getting better no one's fucking <laughs> listening no one cares yeah the so subtleties I'm, are kind of yeah it, it feels like desperate times yeah. and I'm just I'm just over this you know like I'm over it and I just feel like I feel like there's a turn and I don't know if I'm seeking out that kind of work but I do feel like there's a turn in that you know and I think that your book just feels like it's sort of at the front of the charge or something. I don't oh, know. thanks, Pip. I just love it so much. I love it so much. Like, I just think, 
I don't know. Like, did you did you feel like you were writing this collection while you were writing these poems, or was it a matter of sort of writing and then pulling them together as a collection, or how did it? Can you remember? How I it thought was? it was all about mountains. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I really did. And then I thought, oh, I'll try and insert mountains into every single poem. Yeah. Even if, and I thought it was like that's sort of like a really unsubtle way to have a theme around <laughs> mountains. And so then uh, there's like a poem in there which is called "There Will Be No Mountains in This Poem." Yes. So yeah, see what yeah. I did there? Yeah. Yeah. That's very clever. That's right. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah. Um, so I think, and and it didn't come together that easily, and I couldn't arrange them in a way that was satisfying to me mm. for a long time, and then I just had that crazy idea, in which I ordered them by the length of the titles, <laughs> which made <laughs> me have a mountain on the contents page, <laughs> and that was as You're close the as best man. <laughs> I did not even, I thought that was just some beautiful trick of, are oh, you snake? <laughs> that is so beautiful. And it was like, mm, you know, because I tried, I tried, like at one point it had 10 sections with yeah. like one and a half poems in each section. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reasons my publishers didn't like that. I have a poetry collection of 10 sections. Yeah. Oh my God, it's just so great. And isn't it weird that, um, I don't know. Like, because I was going to, now I feel like a fool, but I was going to say because it reads cohesive, you know, like it's 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 parts, what's that <laughs> thing that they say? It's whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You know, like it reads, there's some rhythm to the, to the order that it's in. And now I realise it's because the um, lines are the same length. Well, no, it's only the titles as well. It's not even anything to do with the lines. You're so clever. <laughs> not really. Um, but that's what's really but, nice. but I mean, the thing is that if that hadn't worked, then... Yeah. So there was obviously something, you know, like I looked and I was like, no, that, that kind of works. That um, kind of works. Yeah. I wanted to say, talk when you were saying before about overt, that whole issue of overt political stuff, and there is stuff, which is probably some of the stuff which I find difficult in Adrian Rich, which where I think that the, that, that touching politics head on sometimes becomes, maybe it doesn't work so well in literature. Mm. I think she's a genius, but, mm. you know, these moments, these moments, we have to admit. Um, so, yeah, but one of the things that I really liked, I think maybe my favourite moment at the Auckland Writers' Festival was when George Saunders said something about, now I can't even remember it, but George Saunders, who we were talking about before, who wrote Lincoln and the Bardo, no, yeah. said something about the political force of examining a thing really closely he just had this beautiful phrasing which I now can't remember so none of you will understand this but he had this beautiful phrasing about how to be really really honest about something and to examine it really closely was in itself political mm. there you go I just, do you get any of the oh no <laughs> I totally do it. because um you can actually listen to that now you can they I know it's up. I will put a link to it because put a link to it because I, and then and then maybe we should try and find the moment so you can say you can hear the exact wording at two point one four one four ninety seven yeah because I just think that um that's something that I've always enjoyed about his writing is that so much of it is this is exactly like exactly what you've just said you know is this really. Um, putting a single thing under the microscope and saying, you know, if we look at it this closely, it's odd. If we look at it this closely, it's beautiful. If we look at it this closely, yeah. you know, like if we get this perspective on it, there's truth in there and there's, yeah, it's it's just magnificent. It's so good. As if that almost, um, 
yeah, like playing close attention to something, mm. giving it the gravity that it deserves and giving mm. it the seriousness that it deserves. And I suppose there's a way that you could look at people who are not um, who are not caring about um, kids living in cars in Auckland. A kind of, you know, if you looked at that really closely and if you looked at that family and those people and those... Um, and that car and what it's, the impact it's having on education and the um, and what it's doing for their sister or, you know, all those things. If you started looking at them really closely, then it feels like, you know, maybe that's what he was getting at, is that you can't... You can't... To, to look at it closely, you have to honour it mm. or something. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So that, so that maybe political decisions or... Um, political yeah poor political decision making is part of not observing things closely there you go and I am think, I stretching things too no, far? I think, no I think I was just thinking about how um, also we live in this world where um, so much of our information is so um, surface you know I was thinking um, 140 characters 140 characters um, but also just on the news like I was listening to the news this morning like because I'm obsessed with American politics which is silly because it's just a silly game oh dog's going to say hello to someone um, because um, yeah and like the, there'll be a report on New Zealand radio that'll say you know this much of the story but I've listened to like nine podcasts about it mm. and you know and mm. like um and I just think, I think that that examination, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just think you're right. I think that um, it just seems so strange that, yeah, it's just impossible not to care as well. Like it's If, you, if you, you're not superficial, yeah. that's right. Like if, as, as soon as you, and that's why it's easier not to engage with the horrific things that are happening in the world, eh, and to think about the fridge. Yeah, and to think that if I get into the corners with the vacuum cleaner and if yeah. I actually move the furniture properly yeah. this time, then that's actually a lot more. Yeah, I do find housework quite over, you know, quite uh, overwhelming. But it's less overwhelming than yeah. I just yeah. Surya. I just think you're right. I think you're right because I know. Um, I was talking to Brent about it the other night. Like um with Mosul and, and, and Syria, I was sort of saying, like, I've tried to read a lot about it and tried to educate myself about it, and it upsets me so much. And it's so... Um, oh, the dog thinks there's someone else. Maybe we should call it a day, now that the dog's barking. We can call it a day. Let's call it a day. A Let's day. Stick a sticker on it and call it a day. The dog will help us out. Thank you so much. That's okay. I always feel better after talking to you.